Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald, and this is my independence report. It's Friday afternoon. We have a wonderful young lady that we're going to be talking to in just a moment. But before we go there, I want to shout out to Tracy Lamore from Lamore Media. She put us together, and and uh, and um, um, Yasmin is one of her clients, and uh, she does a. This is what we do every Friday, so we always have somebody that comes by and talks to us, and we're going to have a really unique conversation because this person is really smart, and uh, she's she's very gifted at what she does, and she's morphed it into multiple things. So we're looking forward to talking with her, and we'll do that right now. Yasmin Chris Brown, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? I'm super glad to be here, Kevin. Oh, it's it's wonderful that you're here because we've got lots to talk about. Um, you are a, a professional, and you've you've been through college, and you were on Wall Street, and you managed a hedge fund, and I got to talk to you about that. But uh, first, let's let's talk a little bit about you. And I and I understand you have a one year old baby, so you're you're a brand new parent. How's that going? It is going good. I totally understand the hardships of parenthood so far and the rewarding part about it too. So she's been a blast. Her name is Hottie. She's 13 months. She just had a birthday and it's, it's amazing. Is she sleeping through the night yet? No, she is not. <laughs> well, you're looking marvelously put together and awake considering you're not getting eight hours of sleep. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> which is just awesome so let's talk about you because you you're now in um are you in new york now or? no so i'm currently in miami ah. yes but you did mention a lot about my background and i can hop straight into it so i was actually born in new york uh and i grew up in california i went to american university in washington dc i don't know if you've heard of it but yep pretty cool school um, and so at the time I was majoring in accounting, I thought I wanted to go into the big four uh, type of route. And then I did a program, a nonprofit program on Wall Street. And that's what you mentioned before. Um, and this program helps us or helps students essentially find their dream job. And so once I did this program, I realized that there's so many opportunities on Wall Street, as you mentioned, and also just in general in the finance industry. So I decided to go into banking instead. I uh, landed a fast track wealth management program and got the series seven and 63, uh, which is the stock brokerage license and really fell in love with the technical aspect of it. And also got a little lucky and landed a hedge fund accounting job, as you mentioned as well. And I managed over, uh, well, I managed 12 portfolios and they had a net asset value over $1.5 billion. It was a super fun job, really technical. Um, and I really loved it. The, the only thing I didn't love was the lack of the diversity in the industry. Um, and diversity is such a huge topic now. Um, but at the time I lived through the reason why that nonprofit I mentioned earlier still exists. 
Um, it's a diversity and inclusion program. And so I, I was the only person of color out of a company of 200 plus people. And I, I just didn't really, um, I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I fit in. And I ended up landing uh, my full-time job, which is what I do now at that nonprofit that I keep talking about. So today I am a career development advisor and I help college students land their dream job on Wall Street. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, but now let me ask you, what's it like yeah. to manage $1.5 billion with a B <laughs> dollars for 12 apparently very high-impact high individuals? They must if they have that kind of money. Yeah, so it was very unique because um, my college experience was in itself unique because I was fortunate enough to have some of the greatest accounting professors out there. One of my accounting professors was a forensic accountant and she was on the Bernie Madoff case. So oh. I learned a lot from her. She also brought in the Wolf of Wall Street, the original Wolf of Wall Street. He went to American University and he studied uh, biology. <laughs> I don't know if many people know that, but she brought him back in to kind of let us know these are the things you don't do in accounting. So when I took on this job, I already had a solid background on what to look for uh, as a hedge fund accountant. You're really there to make sure that there isn't any foul play. You're there to do the valuations for the, the hedge fund. And like you said, you're managing a lot of money. So it is high pressure. Luckily with hedge fund accounting, your job is super high pressure for one week of each month because that's when the net asset value is calculated. So I was able to plan and structure my, my time um, as well as really getting to know the securities and hedge funds as well, looking for any red flags. Um, but I would say time management made it a very doable job. It's amazing to me that there are people like you that are able to go out there and, and, and to manage that and understand how all of wall street works and how the, how the, uh, um, um, how you invest in the right properties and stuff. And also right now the, the stock market's been doing pretty well uh, for a longer period, for a long period of time. But I can only imagine the pressure that you would be under if you were underwater in a particular quarter right. when, when, when the stock market's going down and, and there you're, you've got people that are saying, no, wait a minute. I lost, I lost a hundred thousand dollars in, in value this, this quarter. What the hell's going on? Right. Well, luckily for me, I had nothing to do with the investors. Um, if anything, I spoke to some of the managers, not all of them, but that's the hedge fund manager's job. They have the high pressure job right. and if they're doing active trading, which means that they're actually picking the trades, picking the stocks. That's even more high pressure. Um, it's not, it's not the typical thing to do nowadays, but with hedge funds, um, you know, they're unique. So I couldn't imagine being a hedge fund manager, but I, I loved being a hedge fund accountant. I can say that. So let me ask you, because you mentioned that you were one of 250 employees and yes. you're the only person of color. Yes. How can that be? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, so for their credit, it, it was in Maine and Maine is uh, a very non-diverse state. And so the human capital there, I could imagine, is, is kind of hard to come by for diversity. Um, and so I was super proud to be there as, you know, one of the only person, 
people of color, uh, African American women, I should say. Um, but I don't. I, I'm not sure how it, how that happens. I think when it comes to HR, um, you know, when when diversity and inclusion is a problem, I think HR is is your go to and just should be a a focus, if you will. But that is why the nonprofit I work for exists. It's a diversity and inclusion program. So, you know, our main job is to work with underrepresented students and to help pretty much get them into these really niche, unique areas. How is it that, uh, is it, is it that accounting is just not a sought after uh, a major is, is that, or is it, is it, do you think that there are underlying reasons that uh, there isn't more diversity in the, in the accounting world? Or let me put it another way. Is there diversity in the accounting world? It just didn't happen to be where you were. Yeah. So I would say it just didn't happen to be where I, I currently resided in Maine, Portland, Maine. Um, Maine is 99% white, beautiful state. I love it. Um, but they just lack diversity. I'm not quite sure why. Um, but I would say accounting is, is pretty heavily diverse. Oh, that's well, that's good then. It's just, but what they need to do is to be, and you're probably right. It's a, it's a function of human resources. They're not bringing the appropriate people in. Um, but at the, at the same time, if, if, if Maine is, 98% 98% white, it would be difficult to find a community, I would think, there that you could plug into that would be a little bit more culturally to your style and a little bit, is is that also true? Oh, that's a fabulous question. So, um, <laughs> so I actually grew up in New York. I grew up in California as well and in D.C. So I was used to different crowds. Right. Um, and I think that culture definitely expands beyond skin color. So for me, it was super easy to find um, people that I could connect to and relate to. I also did Miss Maine USA. Um, I, I think I did Miss, yeah, I did Miss Maine USA and then Miss Maine, which is the America organization. Um, and so I connected with ladies there as well. Uh, so yeah, culture definitely, you know, expands beyond, beyond skin color. Um, you, you need to tell Tracy she did not put that in your bio. <laughs> the, the, you the, you were you ran for Miss Maine at one time. I did, I did. I don't really talk about it, but I did. I, I got second runner up uh, for both uh, organizations. Well, and fun fact: Maine has never had a African American or Black Miss Maine USA, but hopefully one day they will as well. You're you're helping to break the glass ceiling, if yeah, or whatever that, that is. Uh, <laughs> So, because you're you're a very pretty young lady, and and that would, yeah. and I'm glad you I'm glad that you had that experience. That would be quite the experience. It was a lot of fun. It was definitely. I would say getting on stage and just pouring your heart out on the mic was probably the hardest thing, but I I loved it. I think that public speaking is definitely a skill set that everyone needs, and that's the the beauty behind pageantry is that, you know, these women aren't just pretty faces and nice bodies. They have a huge brain and they're able to articulate themselves on stage. And I think that's, that's usually the, the key part of, about doing well in those, in those uh, contests. See, I, w- I would have thought it would have been a swimsuit competition, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, the swimsuits included, you know, 
<laughs> well, yeah, but getting up there and saying, I want to change the world and cause that, you know, you need, you need to come up with something unique. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's really good. So you've been working with this nonprofit and you're working to uh, work on, on uh, diversity and getting kids the, into the field that they would love to work at and stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you try and place people with the company that you just left? Yeah. So, um, oh, Stone Coast. No, they're not a partner of the nonprofit yet. Hopefully one day they will be. I think they would benefit from it. But HSBC is a partner. Who is? HSBC. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So you joined the nonprofit, but you also had a desire and a passion. You love mathematics. I do. <laughs> and you had a passion and desire to help people understand math a little bit better. Math can be so intimidating for some. It can, yes, it, it is intimidating. It's intimidating for me as well. Yeah. But you went, when did you have this brainstorm? Were you just driving your car one day and said, I think I'm going to do this? Uh, or how did that come about? That's a great question. So I've always been into art. I've always loved math in high school. I think I cried because I got a B minus in trig. It was really serious for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> B, B minus in trig and on the tree? A B plus. I'm sorry. Did I say B minus as a B plus? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say. So you did, did you do calculus after that? I did do calculus. I got an A. I and love calculus. What is after calculus? I, I couldn't, I got basic math. What, what's after calculus? That's a good question. I think calculus too. And then from there, I have no idea. My accounting courses took over. I, if I could go back, I probably would have majored in math, but that's said and done, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, but you did, you did a beautiful job of, uh, and, and you had high expectations and standards for yourself. I did. Yes. And to answer your question in regards to the board game. So I've always been into math and art. Um, and when I was doing the hedge fund accounting job, um, you know, my, my math, uh, love was being fulfilled, but my creative side wasn't. Right. So when I joined the nonprofit, um, I'm not sure when the idea came across, but I, I somehow came across an individual who does actual board game designs. So what I do is I do the board game concept design. I come up with the concept, the objective, the goal, how do you win, and the little details in there. And then uh, the lady that I work with, she designs the actual board game. And so um, I can't tell you how I thought of the idea, but I found the person, the right person, and we made it come into fruition. And that picture that's right behind you yeah, is part part of the board game right yeah that's the box um and so the board game is called juice and it's all about the core concepts of math and the idea is that you are playfully exposed to your math skills while trying to take over the lemonade industry in the city so a lot of kids their first business um, or their first way to learn about money management uh, I know it's super cliche, but it, it's usually a lemonade stand. And so I thought, what not, you know, what wouldn't be a better idea outside of a, a lemonade stand for the actual theme itself? I think I think it's a great idea. You know, what what truly frightens me is when I go to the store 
and the the cash registers are down uh, and and you give some you you know you you buy something for seventeen dollars and sixty eight cents, and you give them a twenty dollar bill, and they can't make the change. <laughs> yeah, that that's always frightening. <laughs> but by playing this game, hopefully, it helps individuals be a little bit more intuitive with their math skills because you do develop core math concepts while playing the game. Oh, that's so that's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. So now how do you win? Uh, so you collect all of the lemonade stands around the city. Uh, so you become a, a lemonade stand baron. Exactly. But you have to answer most of the math questions correctly. So there's the catch. Aha. Now, if you if you miss a question, do you have to take like uh, spaces backwards or something? Uh, it depends on the sorry. It depends on uh what's going on in the game at the time but that is actually one of the consequences taking a couple steps backward going back to start maybe giving up some money so it's a fun game i definitely encourage everyone to play <laughs> now how's it how's it doing is it is it out there in the uh, brick and mortar stores not yet so we just launched uh in may so we are a new business you can find us online at www.juice.games but that is the hope and the goal is to get to the brick and mortars. That would that would be good. Well, you know, and places like Amazon would be a great right. place for it. Exactly. Is, is that coming? Hopefully, yes, working on it. Oh, very good because the you know we are our with post COVID our economy is changing and how we're buying stuff is changing and mm -hmm. and I'm finding that Amazon is just really a lot easier to go and and find a bunch of stuff so I I, I encourage you to, to continue that and I know you will because uh, that will do that would be really cool now have you have, have you gotten any reviews on it yet? Have they, have Not yet, but we are working with influencers, board game influencers, and they'll be giving reviews soon. Oh, very cool. So if you are, um, if you're interested in getting that game, they can go to your website though, right? Yes, they can. Mm -hmm. Which is again? Which is again, www.juice.games. Games with an S. With an S, yes. <laughs> is it is it dot com or is no, it not games? Nope. Just that, just games. Good. Just that. <laughs> that's that's really good. So so your partner now she's the artist in the group, and you you are the technical advisor. Is that right? That is correct, and she actually lives in Pakistan. Really? Yes. So it's a worldwide uh, phenomenon. This yes, this it is. And then the person that does the last minute uh, illustrations, she lives in London. Wow. Yeah. So how did you hook up with those folks? <laughs> a lot of networking. A lot of networking. One thing I will say that I took away from the nonprofit when I did the program myself was how to network. And the internet is honestly, you know, there's a vast variety of ways to connect with people on the internet as well and social media as well. Very good. Because there's a there's a um a site that's called um uh you work or no, not that's not it. But th there are sites that that freelancers go to mm -hmm. that you can then look under the, the type of work that you want to have done yeah. and you can hire them right then and there, right? Yes, there is. Uh there's also Fiverr. Ah, yeah. Fiverr, that's one as well. And I've worked on Fiverr as well. Oh, very good. So what do you, what's your future? What do you see for yourself other than being a fabulous mom? Yeah, 
Yeah, great question. Thank you. So I, I love what I do, um, my day job and my night job with Juice. Um, and so I also see myself going into more board games, board game production, as well as a little bit of comic and animation. Um, so I, I really like art and I see myself being really catapulted in the art industry through board games and, and comic books and animation. Now, I, I'm just struck because you seem to be very, very motivated, very driven to, to excel and to really grow. Is that because of your, uh, did your parents, you know, like instill that in you? Did you just come out this way? What? <laughs> I, so I come from a Caribbean American family. I am oh. Jamaican and Trinidadian. And my mom is a major entrepreneur. She is the CEO of Cool Breeze Solar Hats. I don't know if you've heard of it. Not yet. Um, not yet. But yeah, she's the CEO of that. And her and my stepdad work together on that. He's the inventor. Uh, but ever since I can remember, I, I do recall my mom being a huge entrepreneur. So it was definitely something that was instilled in me. And then just my, my love for education and, and math and all things knowledge. I think that drives me as well. How did you get so good at math? I mean, if you were, if you cried because you got a B plus, <laughs> you must have really uh, worked, worked hard to, and you must've had a lot of, 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 of drive and, and, and ability in, in math to, to think logically. Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, I did graduate top of my class in the top 10%, I believe, in high yep. school, graduated with a 3.98 GPA. Jesus. Uh, I think that trig class really did it for me. I could have been a 4.0. <laughs> That's why I cried. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I think it's just the, the concept behind solving problems and all the different things that you learn in math to be a problem solver. With math, there's only one answer. So I think also that that for sure certain knowledge that you, you get at the end of solving the problem, I think that does it for me as well versus something that's a little bit more elusive, like science. Well, I shouldn't say science, but with science, there isn't usually just one answer. Science can have multiple answers and multiple variables that go into, you know, and multiple outcomes where math it's you get you have one outcome and and that's the correct outcome so i think that's why i was attracted to math at a young age yeah i tell you i almost had a 4.0 myself except i couldn't be in phys ed every time so if i had if there were if i was physical education was like six classes a day i'd have gotten a four point <laughs> Nice. But because there was math and stuff like that, I know that that wasn't in the cards. But um, now, do you advocate that somebody? Um, I've, I've got to ask you this because I took basic math, but I also um, had to had to work with inventories. I was in management for a long time. I worked with inventories and 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 food costs and labor costs and and all of these kinds of things. Where does um, calculus come into play in working people's lives. Did you ever use calculus when in, in your in your hedge fund days? That's a great question. And so, yes, calculus is technically in math when it comes to hedge funds because calculus, well, there's there's a lot to it, but a derivative, if you think about a stock, a stock is technically a derivative. 
And so that is the connection that I saw with calculus and day-to-day activities. Um, you know, one, a, a derivative technically can affect, have a, multi- a multiplier effect on, on the outcome. And that's how kind of stock works. So I'm probably not explaining this clearly enough, but I would say that calculus can be found in, um, in, in stock brokerage. That's all right. You don't. You don't have to because most of us won't get it anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, but some a lot of people took calculus. I suppose I never had a shot at it. I I had failed at algebra, so that was not that wasn't real good. But that's that's but that's okay. Um, I've done well. I've done well. I've done well. So exactly, exactly, exactly. So you, why the board game industry? Why do you think that that is is appealing to you so much? Good question. Um, so I think for me, um, toys and games are a um, are a direct reflection of our imagination, and imagination is the building block of society. With board games specifically, uh, it doesn't involve interaction, you know, with with another person. If it's up to four other people or however many people, and after the pandemic or before actually. Well, during the pandemic, before the pandemic, I, I knew I wanted to do the game. But then when the pandemic happened, it made me want to do the game even more because I am concerned that children are a little lagged, um, given the effect the pandemic had on education. And, um, you know, online learning is great, but there's nothing like uh, face-to-face interaction and, and learning the normal traditional way. Um, so I knew once the pandemic had happened that I really wanted to push out the game to help students uh, have fun while learning um, and to just have a tool to help strengthen them while learning math. Awesome. So what, is, what age group is your uh, board game uh, tailored for? Right. So it's seven plus. Um, so ages seven and up. However, we do have an interchangeable card deck. Uh, for yeah, for kids who are four and older, so four to seven. Um, so technically four and up, but that card deck is sold separately. Well, and and you probably can come up with one for like the teenage group because they're gonna they will, and that would be a little bit more complicated for them. Um, but they need that too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so because my my uh, sister, my uh, niece is a teacher and she, it was frustrating for her because she was stuck in Zoom meetings all day and with Zoom and the kids. And it really wasn't as nearly as productive as if the kids were in the room right. with each other and learning social behaviors and all of that stuff at the same time. It is really hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I I don't think I would have been as driven if I were to be taking, you know, my, my math courses online. I think it's a little bit more distracting when you're, especially when you're a child, you're given that almost freedom to either tune in or tune out. Whereas, you know, in a classroom, like you said, the social skills, you can't, you can't compare. Yeah. See, right now you're working for the nonprofit. Do you want to put out their name at all? Sure. So it's called Seizing Every Opportunity. SEO. They have over 10,000 alumni worldwide. Uh, the nonprofit was started in 1963. So they've been around for a long time. And so hi to all my SEO alum that are watching this now. <laughs> 
that's that's cool, man. And uh, um, you've got fundraising issues, I imagine, all the time. Are you corporately sponsored? Me, myself? No, the, the, the nonprofit. Oh, yes. They have a lot of... Uh, they have a lot of donors and they raise a lot of money. Um, but they, they're actually partnered with over a hundred firms. A lot of those firms are on wall street, fortune 50 companies, fortune 500 companies and tech companies as well, as well as real estate as well. And so those companies then draw from the alumni of the, of the group to, to put people into, into work in their facilities, right? Um, yeah, so there are a couple of alumni that work for the, um, are you talking about donors or, or working with the organization? Well, I, I, my thought would be that the donors are donating to the cause and then they're taking the fruits of their donation, which is the kids that are graduating and they're taking those and put them, putting them in their workforce to attain more diversity and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that is one way that they do raise their money as well as partners, uh, hedge fund people, really, you know, well off um, Wall Streeters. Um, they they get millions, I want to say, a year. Uh, well, I, I would think so. I would think so. So <laughs> if you're a hedge fund manager, how much can you expect to make in a year? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think there's a cap. Um it, it really depends on the strategy that you're going for. So I know I worked with one hedge fund, which is really cool. He worked with strictly distressed assets. So he would find companies that were going into bankruptcy and then take over and, you know, make his, his dividends that way. Um, other companies were straight, you know, long uh, or hedge funds. So they just did long strategies and then another hedge fund was strictly yen. So he only invested in Japanese yen. So it really depends on the strategy, but I don't think there's an actual cap that hedge fund managers have, which is why they make so much money. Now, did you ever see the movie uh, um, um, Pretty Woman? I want to say I did. It was with uh, Richard Gere and, uh, um, oh, I Anyway, Richard Gere was a hedge fund manager, and he he would go and buy distressed companies and then break them up and and sell them off pieces by piece, and that's how that's how he made his money. Is that 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 gentleman that you were talking about? Is that kind of what he would do? He'd take a distressed yeah. asset, and he would take go in there, and then he would decide whether or not he could fix it. If he couldn't fix it, then he would uh, break it up and sell it off piece by piece. Exactly, liquidate it. Yep, you spot on. Yeah, well, I had I said liquidated, it would have sounded better though. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and, but it's you know it's it's a fascinating industry, and I know that there is just these guys make incredible amounts of money, but at the same time, there is an incredible amount of stress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't say that um, I'd be able to do it. I you know I think that. Again, if you're doing active management versus passive management, passive management is where you hire someone else to do the trades for you and someone else does the investment decisions for you versus active management. You're waking up every day and you're doing those trades yourself. So um, I think that's how a lot of organizations like mutual funds get by nowadays with passive management, 
but I think uh, the fun is is active management for the hedge fund guys. So yeah, they're they're working in real high stress situations. Well, and they they they're the kind of guys that love to go to Vegas and gamble and 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 all of that because they they love the adrenaline that is brought by you know the the course of the day uh rather than just sitting around and watching it they're actively pursuing it and stuff. so they've got a lot of it's it's they're adrenaline junkies i would imagine technically i would imagine too yeah and uh you know the money that they're dealing with usually isn't theirs so it's also other people's money which, um, which makes it even scarier right exactly yeah because if you, because I can't, I can't imagine if it goes down. Of course, I have a good friend that is in the uh, money uh, um, management business, and and his firm only works with clients that have, you know, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or more, and uh, and they and they've got a style with which they operate. But when the market goes down and they start fielding phone calls about, holy crap, the market's going down. What do I do? Right. That, that's got to be very, very taxing. But and in the hedge fund case, you can have a guy that's got five or five billion dollars out there, and he can lose, you know, five hundred million dollars in a day. In a day, yeah. So I, I can only imagine if, um, you know, if any of these guys were invested in Bitcoin, what that conversation was like in half <laughs> after Elon Musk did what he did. <laughs> now, are you familiar with Bitcoin? A little bit, yes. Okay, because I'm not, and and because of the fact that it's so volatile, and yeah. it goes it goes up and then it goes down crazy. My <laughs> my son bought 150 dollars worth of a, of a, of Bitcoin or a piece of it, because I yeah. guess a at that time one coin was worth like thirty five thousand dollars. So yeah. I don't know how 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 much of the percentage of that one little Bitcoin is, but I, I can't even imagine. How does the, the whole, is it all just a game that somebody created? I mean, you should do that game. <laughs> so I don't think anyone actually knows who exactly created Bitcoin. Um, but you can, like you said, you can buy a portion of it. And at one point uh, in this year, earlier this year, it was around 30, you know, 35. And then it, it skyrocketed up to 60. Um, and then after Elon Musk pulled out, because I guess uh, it doesn't align with the Tesla mission of being renewable, um, you know, it, it cut in half essentially. And it's been it's been struggling to peak 40 ever since. And I think that was what, a month ago. Yeah. But the cool thing about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is that it's not regulated. So um, I guess you can say that's cool. It's a double edged sword, really. Um, it is kind of like gambling, but high risk, high reward. Yeah, but I would see if I were to buy into Bitcoin, I can tell you exactly what would happen. I would buy it when it was $60,000. And then the next day it was $30,000. And my, my investment is gone by half. Yeah. And that, that's just how I roll. I can't. I, <laughs> so I have to be fairly conservative about stuff like that. But, right. you know. Right. But I and I was just thinking about you being a hedge fund manager. No, no, hedge fund accountant. <laughs> no, I know. But if you were a hedge fund manager, that job would kill you because you take such high um, uh, regard of your your skills that that you cried when you got a B plus. Can you imagine if 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 the market went down or you made a mistake, that it would kill you. You, you yeah. wouldn't. You wouldn't be cool. 
yeah, I, I, I don't think I would be able to take on such, uh, such responsibility, especially with other people's money, um, or making trading, uh, decisions. Um, but you know, luckily what they do before you go into one of those situations is that they get to know you. So for me, I am, you know, I'm, I'm in my twenties. Um, I would, my portfolio would look a little different than someone that's in their sixties. So my portfolio would probably include a little bit of cryptocurrency as well as equity and more, uh, riskier investments. And then I would have a minimal amount of, uh, fixed income, like, like bonds, uh, versus someone in their sixties, they'd have about, you know, 60% of their, uh, portfolio mainly, excuse me, mainly, uh, I lost you. There you are. Mainly yep. uh, fixed income. So like 60% would be fixed income debt um, type of uh, fixed income. And then uh, the rest would be riskier, riskier uh, investments. So that is taken into consideration as well. I have a very, very serious and important question to ask you. Yes. You can't run for president until you're 35. Can you wait that long? Oh, no, I won't be running for president. <laughs> Funny enough, someone had mentioned that. To, I've heard that before, but no. I <laughs> See, I wasn't off, was I? <laughs> I don't know why people get, I could, again, I, I don't think I could handle that much pressure, but I would love to work in the White House one day, uh, just not as president. <laughs> well, it, 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 that's a hard job. Uh, and that's why we need somebody that is very, very talented and driven mm -hmm. and, and they can do it. And so I'm nominating you now. So. Oh, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> I, th I think you'd be, you think you'd be awesome, but actually probably working in the white house, keeping them on the straight and narrow and making sure that the money is being allocated and used in the, in proper uh, ways and not being wasted and, and stuff like that would probably be right up your alley. Yeah. I can see myself doing that one day something in the government finance related that'd be right up my alley the problem is is that they don't make anywhere near the kind of money that you can make as an entrepreneur on the outside yeah i i this is true um but at that point it's it isn't about the money it's about the service right um a lot of those people actually come from i would imagine entrepreneur backgrounds and ceo backgrounds um so yeah. see I, you you say all the right things, so I want to nominate you for president. That would be <laughs> oh no, I'm actually not that political. Funny enough. Well, that's probably it's a really good thing these days. You don't want to be overtly political because it's you know, but then you can't. It's it's you can't avoid it. It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it it is kind of sad. Um, and uh, this kind of brings me back to when I ran for Miss Maine. Um, it was during a highly political time and I was wearing a purple dress um, and I, I forget what the answer. Oh, they asked me, why did I pick out my dress tonight? And I said, because it's purple, it represents blue and red. And at this time, the, the biggest thing that we need is unity. So something along those lines, <laughs> super political, but I think it still stands today. I think if anything, besides that we shouldn't have red and blue, we should have purple, but um, I yeah, politics is a whole different whole different topic for a whole different day.
It, 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 well, yeah, but but then every day that I, I do this because my podcast is all about um, declaring our our freedom from hate, division and fear, because there's a whole bunch of that that needs to go away. And people like you that are working and investing in our youth to try and do it in a fun way. But by, by the way, let's talk about your game again. Um, it's the game is juice. Yes. Juice. And the website is www.juice.games. Get this game and, and give it to your kids. I, you'll give it to the kids and it's a board game and they'll go, what the hell is this? Where's the computer? <laughs> exactly. I was doing another podcast and she had mentioned that a lot of games are digital now. And I just I couldn't imagine. I grew up on Monopoly. Sorry, Candyland. I couldn't imagine having to play my, my, my board game on a cell phone. That just takes the fun out of it. And yeah, and it becomes an anti-social activity rather than a social activity. Exactly. It defeats the purpose for sure. Yeah, I wish I'd have said that. That would have been good. Yeah. So <laughs> Jasmine, it's been a pleasure having you on the on the podcast. Go to her website, which again is juice.game. Games with an X. Yes, <laughs> juice.games. And uh, they can buy it straight from your website or do they, do they need to go somewhere else? Nope, they can buy it straight from the website. Very good. So uh, at the, uh, near the end of the podcast, I always like to give you the opportunity to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know, anything that's on your mind. So I turn, turn the floor over to you. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Well, I had a blast being here, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me first and foremost. Um, I would definitely say um, to anyone that's out there, uh, I know the pandemic has affected a lot, a lot of people and a lot of people are in a transition state. Um, you know, it's all about the process. The journey and the process is worth a lot more sometimes than the actual results itself. So I would say uh, be patient, be diligent, have a plan and really pay attention to the process because what it is, whatever you learned during that process, you were probably meant to learn. Well said, well said, my dear. Thank you. So um, are you, I got to ask, are you done with school or are you going to, are you going to go do more? I think I'm done for now. Yeah, I, I think I'm done for now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are more kids in the, in the, in the, uh, your future or are you going to keep it a one? Uh, possibly my fiance would love another. Um, but our one-year-old has our, has our hands filled. So now that, that child has been remarkably, uh, uh quiet during this uh, podcast. Is somebody watching her or she, him? Yes. So, uh, my fiance, he's a stay at home dad right now and she is sleeping. Now is her nap time. I'm sorry that I, that I caught you during nap time because this is <laughs> your, also your nap time. <laughs> yeah, but I work, I work from home. So, uh, no, no nap time for me. <laughs> what a beautiful, what a beautiful arrangement that is. He's, yeah. he's uh, the, the daddy that's home. You're the mommy that gets to stay home. You work from home. Yeah. What a wonderful life you have. Congratulations. What a lovely little girl, right? Yeah, she's lucky. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. She gets to have the best of both worlds all the time. Exactly. Good and time. and by the way, you are just awesome, and I want to thank you for being here because uh, we need more young people like you. Because I'm I'm sorry to say I'm a little older, and we're leaving you up a pretty screwed up world. And I hope that you, <laughs> I hope that you have the the intestinal fortitude to fix it. 
Yeah, well, I, I think it was screwed up long before you, Kevin, but thank you so much for your kind words. <laughs> well, I, I I blame my mother, but that's not appropriate either. But, uh, you know, I yeah. thank you so much for, for being here. And by the way, go to uh, um, juice. Dot, or juice. juice. <laughs> oh, now you confused me. <laughs> www.juice.games. And, and get the game for your kids, play with them, have fun with it. It'll, it'll be a, a really good time. So if, if you'll stay right there for just a second, I got to do this and then I'll be right back. Okay. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because... Each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.